was in a church in Missouri, approximately about 300 to 400 people. I was the special speaker, and the gentleman was sitting up here behind me, and um, he was introducing, and he, you know, just laying it on thick for everyone and preparing them, and we're so blessed and privileged to have Dr. Maloney, and let's welcome him, and everybody stood and applauded, and I went up there and opened up my Bible, and I looked at him, and then I heard a voice behind me say, I am not speaking to them. If you say anything, it'll be you and not with me. Now, how would you like to be the special speaker? <laughs> so I did this. It was a country church. I said in South Missouri, I said, I don't know what all of you have done, or some of you or all, but you've ticked God off. And he's not speaking to this church. And I went and sat down next to the pastor. Oh, my. Oh, my. His face turned red as a beet. I mean, and, but then he got, he made a mistake. He got real spiritual. And he got up and he said, oh, my. Dr. Maloney has said something without using any words. Obviously, we have grieved the Holy Spirit. God has brought his mouthpiece. I think all of us need to begin to search our hearts and if need be to begin to repent of what is hidden. And I'm going to sit back here next to Dr. Maloney and we're just going to wait because he said God isn't speaking. So he sits down next to me. All right. Help me like know what happened. <laughs> you don't want to know what happened. Okay, let's go to our text. Well, I didn't see any hands go up. I don't think you want to know what happened. Oh man, I can't. This is this is a this is a good one. This is better than my first church that was a wife swapping church. So I excommunicated all of them because <sighs> they wouldn't repent. Well, anyway, but they did eventually repent and come back. That's why I don't pastor. I've had bad experiences. So we're sitting there, and about five minutes goes by. You could hear a pin drop. All of a sudden, this lady starts shaking. <gasps> Stands up. I can't stand it anymore. I, I've just got to confess before everyone, God is grieved. I've been having an affair with a pastor. <laughs> oh, my God. He fell out of his chair. If there's a spirit of dumb in the world, he has it. And then, you know, I'm in shock. And Joy's sitting there turning white as a sheet, and I'm looking for an exit door. And there's one right to the side. All of a sudden, I, I got to. Now, you got to understand. Another lady stood. I've got to say it to all. I've just as Anne confessed. I've got to confess. I've been having an affair with him. Five women stood. 
None of their husbands knew it. And they weren't happy. They weren't against me. They were against the pastor. And I looked at Joy. And I mean, they were heading for the pastor. And I looked at her and I said, And we quickly went out the side door. That was it. I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> when I was a professor, I've been a professor. I was a professor at Christ for the Nations for over seven years and then four years in England. And then I've ministered for over 28 years in Bible colleges all over the world. But... Uh, None of my students wanted me to teach. They wanted to hear my war stories. And sometimes you learn a lot, you know, in some of those examples. But um, I thought that would bless you. <laughs> he opened it up in that manner, you know, and just kind of brought to my remembrance. And, you know, I had to borrow money to get out of that town, to go to the next town, because forget about an offering. <laughs> Duh, you know, it was, it was, oh my God, it was just, um, I did find out that uh, they did lay hands on him <laughs> and ushered him out of the town. Suitcases in hand and threw them out at the edge of town and said, don't come back in. Uh, I don't know if he had a wife. It's probably doubtful. I don't think he did. And, uh, you know, he just had to leave town anyway. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful time to be prophetic? <laughs> you know, there, there are times... You don't want to be prophetic <laughs> because it's not always edification and exhortation and comfort, you know. So I don't know what hat I'm going to have on tonight. But I do believe that God wants to bless. And um, this gentleman's exhortation, before he turned it over to the lead pastor, hey, he just shared on my message so God bless you. Let's go home. No, I wouldn't do that. You've got your notebooks out, right? You know, I was, can I be frank with you? I was at Bethel. How many know where I'm talking about? School of Ministry. And I stood up, they introduced me, you know. And all of these little twerps <laughs> came up to me in a big circle, about 10 of them, looking up at me, which, ew, see <laughs> law. And they're staring up at me. And I would say, Okay, and I would make a statement, then they would grab 
my pant leg. Yeah, my long thigh bone. <laughs> oh, my wife's not here. Okay, anyway, uh, if you weren't here this morning, that's an inside joke. Anyway, so they just um, were touching me the whole 45 minutes. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these kids. And then after I got done teaching, I was beginning to move prophetically, and, and they stood up. These, these kids got my face and said, we want you, we demand. I love it when a 17-year-old who has been playing Nintendo his entire life, <laughs> right? And he's been in Bible school all of four weeks. Demand. We, I love it, these little snots. I demand. We demand that you lay hands on us and impart unto us everything that you have. We want it now. That's why they said it. I, I, I looked at them. You do not know what you ask. You do not know. They got offended because I wouldn't lay hands on them. All right? They wanted everything. Man, you know, at that time, 40 years of ministry, you guys don't know what you're asking. You know, you want everything. And then it was my wife's turn. Okay? So my wife gets up there, and all of these kids got around my wife. And she's looking at them. And, you know, she was uncomfortable. And thank God it wasn't in the era where, you know, we had, you know, women had to wear dresses. You know, so she, and, you know, they started to, you know, it was the cutest thing. You know, my wife, you know, she's so cute. She just started and she stopped in front of 1,500 kids, and she said, you go back to your seat, open up the Bible, get your notebook and pen, and start taking notes. You're in a school of ministry. None of them had brought a Bible, notebook, or pen. Did you, students? No, because, you know, you're of the g generation. Well, we'll just get the MP3. We'll just download it. You know what's just strange about this generation? I'm not talking about you. Tell the young person next to you, look at him, say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> I'm getting kind of drunk up here in the spirit. Oh, my God. This is your fault. No, I really am. I'm having fun up here. I'm kind of like in a river here. What's going on? Yeah, just come on. Come on. Everybody come around me. You know, I'm grabbing my, you know, I'll give you my. You know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. What was I saying? Thigh bone. <laughs> Thigh bone was the last, last. 
you know, this generation just doesn't want to read any longer. They don't want to read anymore. This generation as a whole doesn't read. As a student, you've got to read, read, read. They just want to listen. Read, 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 and read. Can I hear an amen? amen. Especially my books. <laughs> there's everybody else's, then there's mine. I'll throw Jim's in. It's actually an excellent book. So anyway, um, in Ephesians, just write down the reference, students. You know in Ephesians 1, starting verse 17 down to verse 19, Paul the Apostle, his prayer for the church in Ephesus, that the God of glory would give unto you the spirit, you know it, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, everybody say that phrase with me, the eyes of your understanding, and it goes on to say, would be enlightened. I'll expound on that in a moment. That you may know. That word know, its connotation, it's gnosis, but it's higher, it's epa. That which is above epa gnosis, a knowledge that is above, that you may know. And that word conveys not just a head knowledge, but it's a head knowledge that your mind begins to get illuminated. Have you ever, how, how many of you have ever meditated on a portion of scripture and all of a sudden it drops from your mind into your spirit? It becomes a rhema energized, an energizing word. You know that you know, that you know. Okay, it's a knowing that's experiential. It's encountering God by knowing, and as he wills, hearing. And it also, that word knows, you can see, as the Holy Spirit wills and directs. Knowing, hearing, seeing. Right there, I just described to you Ephesians 2.22. You are the habitation of God or the dwelling place of God in the spirit. If we are a hearing person, a discerning person, and as the Holy Spirit again wills, a seeing person, it can be said of that person, the Holy Spirit is truly in an experiential way, dwelling in that person. Now, I know there's born-again believers that they may not have developed into that level, and God's in them, and they're the people of God. But to truly say that we are being enlightened, and the word enlightened there, it's, it's got a very um, unique meaning it's where we get the word um, in modern terminology a photo flash isn't that uh, interesting a photo flash something just and i'll define this in a minute just comes to you and you are enlightened you're illuminated 
in the spirit of wisdom. That word is sophia, O-S-O-P-H-I-A-S. And it means a special insight not naturally attained. The spirit of revelation is ap ak al oop sis. Everybody say that with me ten times. <laughs> ap ak al oop sis. Say it again. <laughs> okay, you got it. Right now you're speaking in tongues. It's spelled capital A P O K A T U P S I S. It means something that has been veiled or hidden. You all know this for a long time, and then suddenly, almost instantaneously, it becomes clear and visible to the renewed area of the mind or the spiritual eye. Now, you need to understand positionally, legally, we are with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. Ephesians 1, bring this down. But experientially, God wants us to have a discerning heart, a hearing ear, and a seeing eye that causes us to be the dwelling place of the Lord. And there's so much that seemingly, it's like, it's just outside of the window or the windows of our heart. And then... There comes an illumination, and your mind gets renewed by the Spirit, and then you come into, initially, the first level, a discernible knowing within your heart. Everybody hear this. In anything you want to encounter, see, experience, and move in, in the Holy Spirit, everything, it, right here, touch this area. I got muscles somewhere there. Move aside. There, there it is. Everything comes from the spirit man. It has to bear witness. Amen? It rises up from the inside. It ascends. When that anointing ascends and you sense it, because the psalmist David said in Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. The Holy Spirit bears witness within our spirit that we are the children of God. And I just want to, it's not a warning, but it's just a, yeah, it's a warning. There's a lot of activity out here. You have to develop the inner witness. We were talking, driving over here. Uh, when I taught at Christ for the Nations, Gordon Lindsay, the late Gordon Lindsay and the late Frida Lindsay, <clears throat> how many of you ever heard of the healing evangelists of the 19, late 40s and 50s? There were, were approximately 178 healing evangelists. That's what Sister Lindsay told me. We had lunch, like A.A. Allen or Roberts, Raymond T. Ritchie, uh, uh, William Branham, et cetera, et cetera, many other ones, William Freeman, you, you know, just countless people. And they were all wonderfully anointed, Jack Cole, et cetera, et cetera. And I asked her, I said, um, 
What did they say? Because they had posed the same question. She had posed a question to him, and so did Brother Lindsay. What is the greatest key? What is the greatest key in the release of the supernatural and the miraculous? What is it in your heart preparation? What is it that you do? And, of course, they were expecting, you know, the various important answers to the questions. And, you know, speaking in tongues, worship, etc., meditation on the word, etc., etc. But what is it that you do in preparation right before you step before the public and minister and see these tremendous miracles. Every one of them, without exception, said, we get silent before God. When you read in 1 Kings 19, I think it's 12, or it's 21, don't go to it. How many know God was not in the whirlwind to Elijah? He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. But when he what? Heard the still, small voice. Write down the word still. Uh, a derivative word in the Hebraic language is the word dah, D-A-W-M-A-N. Dahman. Dahman. Yeah, Dahman. And Dahman means this. You're before God. Let me put it contextually in this setting. You're before God. And you're not saying anything. You've had this encounter. You've experienced it. And all of a sudden, something's being said to you or revealed to you, but no words are being spoken. How many of you ever had that encounter? It's that, oh, everybody do that with me. Oh, now don't choke on your gum. Do it again. And it, it's like, you know, God is conveying revelation to you, and you're not necessarily hearing his voice, but just this knowing comes to you, and you just get enlightened, and you just, oh. And it's the same. You, you want to convey your before his face, and all of a sudden, the awareness of who he is comes to you, and you can't convey it and put it into the words, but you just, oh. That right there is the missing key in the church for the supernatural. Times when I did pastor, I did establish three churches. There were times that we were just stunned. The Dahman of God, just oh, all of us. Only one time amongst my students in the nation of England, and it was after two years of teaching these young men and women, that all 60 students, we were all caught up together to heaven. I do not advocate these people 
that, okay, everybody lay down, get in a circle. I'm going to count from 10 and go backward, and we're all going to go to heaven. Oh, come on. And, of course, the person is conveying to everybody what they were supposedly experiencing in heaven. And, of course, in a young 18-year-old's, you know, incredible imagination, vivid imagination, they're seeing it as well. That's not what happened. We were caught up into the heavenly realm and heard and saw and experienced only once. I'm so careful to share that. There's been more than one occasion because I am so knit as one with my wife. Remember I shared Friday night. I don't separate my intimacy with God for my wife. Wife, they're synonymous. Come on, man, say amen. Come on, ladies, come on, wives. Woo, 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 woo. Come on, let me hear you. Woo, woo, woo. Yes, that's what you want. <laughs> that's what's missing. And more than once, it's been rare. Just recently, a couple weeks ago, both my wife and I were caught up together. It's changed her. Did you see her last night? That little feisty thing. Start moving in authority. Just. Man, I, I want women of God to be incredibly used of the Spirit. Amen? And you, man, once in a while. <laughs> but that. Dhamma is missing. You can call it an unveiling, a revelation. You can put it in the concept of experientialism or knowledge or truth. It's like, again, revelation means truth that remains hidden until God chooses to reveal it to us. He gives it to us. It's ours. Say it's mine. It means that he wants to hand something over completely to someone else. It says of Jesus in Isaiah, put the reverence down, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, down to verse 7. It says that the sevenfold spirit of God rested upon him. And you know, it's the fear of the Lord and, and the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel and might, and et cetera, et cetera, that rested upon him. Jesus not only moved in the nine gifts of the Spirit, in a sense, because he had the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and without measure, he had cloaked on him, thrown on him like mantles. He didn't just move in a word of knowledge. He had the spirit of knowledge. He had the spirit of wisdom. Now, you know, individually, I believe there are people that can come into that level Corporately, as we come together in the spirit of unity, how many know we express those mantles of wisdom, those mantles of knowledge, counsel, and might in the fear of the Lord? 
This is what is being unveiled. And what God is saying in your times of praise, worship, personally and corporally, studying, meditating, heart meditations is what I call it. Sometimes before miracle service, this was in Russia, I would spend an hour or two just before God's face saying nothing. You can find this in David's example. And Ray's coming and going to talk about revival that came through the psalmist and the warrior king, David, that uh, there were times that he would just, it says, he would go before the Ark of the Covenant and he would just sit. He wouldn't ask anything. He wouldn't say anything. He just sat. Invariably, Where's King David? Where is he? We need him. He was up there before the Ark of the Presence. Now, obviously, there was, he wasn't a perfect man, a time that he should have been out in the, you know, field fighting the enemies of God's people, but Bathsheba got a hold of him. But anyway, that's, you know, the point I'm trying to say is in the vast majority of his life, he just sat. And the Dahman would just grip him. Oh, the revelation. All oh, the insight of the character of God, the personage of God, that I might know him. Put, pray this prayer, put that photo flash upon my heart. Come on. Just embezzle it upon me just that photo flash throw that mantle ask him right now throw that mantle that cloak upon me lord i want the spirit of knowledge tell him this i want the spirit of counsel i want the spirit of might i want wisdom oh lord this is one translation it says that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you special insight. I'm talking about wisdom that is not naturally attained. This is the divine moment when the curtains are drawn back and you are supernaturally enabled to see what you could never see for yourself. I like that. I think that's from the Message Bible. You know, I'm not one much for the message, but that's okay. I thought that was pretty good. Amen. Put this reference down, Strong's 5545. In 1 John chapter 2. Now hear this, just a little bit longer. It speaks about the anointing. 1 John chapter 2, just put it down, verse 20. You're all familiar with it, verse 27. But you have an anointing from the Holy One that you know, there's that word again, all things. All right? Say, I have it, that I may know. It's right there. Verse 21, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you don't need any man to teach you. Now, you, you know, keep it in the proper context. 
But as the Simeonian teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. That word is the Greek word, hear this, chrisma. Everybody say it with me, chrisma. Did you know that? It's capital C-H-R-I-S-E. M-A. It's not charisma. It's chrisma. And when it comes to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's somewhat twofold. There is a, number one, personal fellowship anointing. Everybody say it with me. Personal fellowship anointing. Chrisma. That abides within you, that teaches you, that guides you, that directs you. It aids you in your fellowship with God. And in some respect, this abides. And it abides within you. And this is where you get the bearing witness of the Holy Spirit. And it ascends. You've got to develop your inner man. It needs to ascend. And as your mind is being illuminated in areas and renewed, then what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit is able to give you insight that impresses his will and desire, purpose upon those areas of renewedness in your mind. And then you're able, through your five senses, express it to mankind. You didn't hear that. I just shared with you what it means to be a vessel of honor. That what's within you rises up from your inner man, the areas of your mind that have been renewed by the Holy Spirit through the washing of the water of the word. Then what is being revealed to you, then you can believe it right out of your spirit. And the Holy Spirit then can manifest himself through your five senses and they encounter God. That's what it means to be a son of God. That's what all of creation is waiting for, Romans says, the manifestation of the sons of God. Did you get it? That personal fellowship anointing, Chrisma, Generally in your lifetime, it doesn't, it can kind of become deepened in your walk, but it doesn't necessarily grow or get bigger. It's just, it's just there. But then there is the same anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is a ministry anointing. Everybody say that with me. Ministry anointing. And we all know that word, charisma. It means the manifestation of God's grace freely given to others. In Isaiah, it says in chapter, where is it, 61, verse 2 and 3, that uh, we are, that it speaks of Jesus in his earthly ministry, that he will be anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, right? I mean, no, Jesus Christ was anointed, let me put it in a simplistic uh, terminology. He was anointed 
to do something for God the Father. You are anointed to do. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Heal the brokenhearted. Open the blinded eyes, etc., etc. That's us as sons of God. But then it also says this, to appoint unto those that mourn in Zion. To proclaim, say it with me, to proclaim, that's charisma. To appoint, that is chrisma. You're anointed to do something, but you're anointed to be something in Christ. Anointed to do, anointed to be. To proclaim, to appoint. Now, we've got a bunch of young men and women. They get this charisma down. They want to do, 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 but they don't want to be like Christ in fruit. Now, I mean, there's a bunch of anointed jerks out there. And I've had to minister with more than one of them. You can't stand to be around them. They're a bunch of prima donnas. One I was ministering with, he demanded in his hotel room, you know, he, he couldn't stay with the rest of the speakers. He had to be separated all by himself. And he had to have fresh cut flowers and fruit that had to be perfectly ripened and just certain fruit in a line. I'm going, can I say this word behind the pulpit? Can I? You might want to turn this off. What a pansy. I was going to say weenie, but what a pansy. You're just so obnoxious. But did God use them? Sadly so. At least my wife wants to hear me preach and see me minister. See law. Some of those guys, their wives, they don't want to even be around them when they minister because they know what they're like when they go home. That's the problem. Joel said, this is a problem with you, priest. You need to weep between the porch and the altar. The porch represents how people really see you, right? The altar represents what you're really like behind closed doors. Now, I'm not a perfect man. I love it when several women have came up to Joy recently, and they said, um, oh, what, it's, what is it like? <laughs> I'm serious. This really happened. What is it like? To be married oh, to such a man of God. What they're really saying is, my husband's a jerk. But you know, what's it like to be married to such a man of God? He, they said this to her. You know, he must prophesy in his sleep. <laughs> and some people don't think I sleep. I invariably 
about a dozen times a year, somehow they get my phone number. Three in the morning, Brother Maloney, God has laid you on our hearts, and we believe you got a word for us. <laughs> yeah, I do. Sleep. <laughs> What's it like? This is so funny. Joyce said, you really want to know? Now, she didn't belittle me in their sight, of course, but she said something. She won't tell me what she said. And, but from that moment forward, they would walk by me and just the shocked look on their face, like, <laughs> you know what they were thinking. If God can use him, hey, maybe he can use me. Yes! That's the whole point. But I endeavor what you see before the people. By God's grace, I'm like that. Behind closed doors. Most of the time. The majority of the time. Come on now. Let's be honest. Tell the person next to you, look at him and say, he's talking about you. Just, just you know. <laughs> Personal anointing helps you in communicating with God, fellowshipping with him, hearing his voice. All other ministerial anointings are external. At the moment of need of time to minister to someone, it comes down. It drops. Everybody write these words down. The anointing ascends. Say it with me. Ascends. Chrisma. The anointing drops. Charisma. And once the need is met, then charisma lifts until the next time. Someone needs to be ministered to. It could be a, a second later. Sometimes it's just rest upon you, the anointing, ministry anointing, because you're constantly ministering to people. But you've got to know the difference. We've got young people in Bible colleges that want the charisma, but they don't want to take the time of proper character development. And the charisma. And how many know it's the same Holy Spirit and the same unction, but I, I, I want to be a man. Everybody look at me. I want to be a man. Don't you? A woman? A man and woman of wisdom. Of knowledge. Of counsel. I want there to be, hopefully, a sensing of some level of depth, character. And that only comes through illumination, revelation. It only comes through, and let it be your prayer as you develop in ministry unto the Lord. Father of glory, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of my understanding, right here, 
spiritual eyes. I'm going to know. You got natural eyes, you got spiritual eyes. You've got natural hearing, you got spiritual hearing. We go on and on and on. That I may know, that I know, that I know what is the great hope of my calling. How many know? No matter what we're facing in the name of crises in this nation or the nations of the world, how many know? Your future is bright. You have a hope. The word hope means to anticipate, to look forward towards something with pleasure and excitement. You know, I just had a group of people in Taiwan start freaking out over the COVID-19, the coronavirus. I mean, they just started coming unglued. And, and um, what do we do, Dr. Miller? What do we do? It just had hit Taiwan. And I said, go to Psalm 91. Though a thousand fall at your left hand, 10,000 at your right hand, it shall not come nigh unto thee. But it's only those that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of his healing wings, that Dahman. You don't have to wait hours upon hours. You take seasons of time. Yes, I believe in worship and praise and singing in tongues. But see, you know, I'm of the age where in my 20s, I had to just shun, die, and bind, and loose. And six hours of tongues, warfare tongues, to get ready for a group of 30 people. And God moved. And it was a good time for me, you know. But by the time I got done after six hours of praying in tongues and binding and loosening and storming heavens, I was all worn out. <laughs> Is that way my 30s and 40s? And don't misconstrue what I'm saying. There's times that you've got to enter into that. But you know what? When you get into your 60s, it's like people that says, I believe in divine healing. You know, all these 20-year-olds, yeah. I believe in divine, yes, and in the 30s. I believe in divine healing, yes, and divine health, yes, in their 40s, yes, in their 50s, uh -huh. yes. You hit 60s, uh -huh. Lord, confirm to me, yes. In your 70s, oh, Jesus. I guess in your 80s, please come. <laughs> of course you believe in divine healing in your 20s. You're 20. Let me hear it when you're 60 and 70. You know, can I give you an encouraging word? This is encouraging. You are going to die. Don't 
feel like when you hit your 60s and 70s, things start. I'm not saying God doesn't want to sustain you and finish your course and walk in healing and health and, and, you know, but, you know, hey, listen, come on. Reality here, reality check. Life, things just happen. And it's just life. But there is a renewing. There is a personal anointing. Can I hear an amen? You can just, it can ascend and well up within you, a fellowship anointing. So let me give you the keys I've got right here in closing. Steps, I could say, to enter into the holiest and access the present-day ministry of our faithful high priest in his ascension ministry, and that's Jesus Christ. And boy, that is a mouthful. How many know Jesus Christ is in present-day ministry today? Not just through his people. Read Hebrews 3. He's not only our faithful high priest. Everybody say amen. Aren't you glad? Ever lives to make intercessions for us. When we miss the mark, we repent and have faith towards him. The blood of Jesus cries out mercy. It cleanses us. But he's also the apostle of our profession. And whatever we confess, what Jesus wishes to do, when we confess all that he is and all that he has spoken about himself concerning a particular promise or what we're believing for, Jesus in his present-day ascension ministry as the apostle of our confession will take those words and purify them and translate it into experientialism for his glory and honor. And generally, it will be manifested and the majority of the time, out through you as an empty vessel, through your five senses. So your hands becomes his. Your voice becomes his. But not just in, I'm anointed to do, to proclaim, but to be. Okay, here's the keys. Real simple. This is keys to releasing the personal fellowship anointing. Write it down. I'll mention them a couple times. This is real deep now. This is deep theology. Really deep. Number one, for personal fellowship anointing. Oh, this is deep. Just focus on Jesus. Do you know Hebrews 1 says that the entire conversation of the Father is not just about his Son, it's in Christ. That means the, his whole thoughts, everything he speaks to you is in Jesus Christ. I'm speaking to the Heavenly Father. I'm going to say it again. Everything he says to you is in Jesus Christ. 
Did you catch that? Just focus on him. And we'll get to ministry expression and the keys in a moment. And I'll go back to focusing on Jesus and why. Also, in personal anointing. Everybody say personal. I just wrote these down just a few minutes ago. Acknowledge every good thing in you rather than focusing on your defects and defeats. Acknowledging every good thing in you rather than focusing on your defects. And how many know we all have them? Man, you could just be focusing on everything that's wrong. You'll never get anything accomplished. You'll never grow. You'll just sit there and spin around. You know, listen... I, I, I am an advocate of sozo ministry. I'm an advocate of inner healing. Correct theologically sozo. Selah. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. I believe in inner healing. I love it. They got all kinds of phrases now. Sozo. We just call it just inner healing of the inward man. Right? I believe in inner healing. I'm an advocate of it. I needed it. What ruled my life was rejection for years. Guilt. Abandonment. But how many know? You can't just spin. Sooner or later, there's just so much of you that needs deliverance and inner healing. You got to get past it. Get beyond it. We got to quit being so self-centered. Can I encourage you in this way? You know, there are some people that have gone through worse things than you. The church in America, not you. Everybody tell the person next to you, he's not talking about you. <laughs> we, are so, we are so whiny. My, just so whiny. And we get our feelings hurt. And... Uh, and Come on, young man. We're kind of soft. Just, I look, I look at the millennials. I, I remember I was at Christ for the Nations. Professor, I had to introduce the upcoming millennial generation, 2000. 700 new students. And they were the goofiest. They constantly debated in your classes. Well, not mine. That happened once. <laughs> they were chewing gum. 
their first day, throwing spit wads at one another and flying planes, pay for flying planes. Some were playing with their game and all of this, you know, and they want to be world changers, you know. And I'm, they, were, they were unlike the previous few years of students. These were, these were the, the, the millennials. I, I'm standing on this platform getting ready to introduce myself and the staff and everything. And, and I'm standing, I'll never get, I'm standing there. I'm looking at all these goofy little kids. I mean, they were goofy. And I said, God, <laughs> this is your future leaders? Lord, have mercy. Please come quickly. You know what I heard the Holy Spirit say? They said the same thing about you 25 years earlier. <laughs> Focus on Jesus. Come on. Acknowledge every good thing. It doesn't take much to know what your faults are and shortcomings. Hello? Actually, am I at number three? Desiring spiritual gifts instead of waiting passively for whatever may happen will develop your personal as well as ministry expression of anointing. Let me say it again. Actually desiring spiritual gifts. When I say spiritual gifts, don't separate spiritual gifts from the fruit. Now, I love these people, that here's one Holy Spirit. I believe in the fruit, not so much the gifts. Or here's this group over here, it's all the gifts, not the fruit. I mean, it's one Holy Spirit. He's got fruit, gifts, pomegranate, bell. Everybody say it with me, pomegranate, bell. Fruit gifts, pomegranate bell on the skirts of the high priest. Let me share something else with you. If someone is in need of physical healing, how many know they need more than just words? They need gifts of healings. That's what a gift. Gifts of the Spirit can and do give an outlet for the fruit of the Spirit. What greater expression of love and mercy than you reach out and Jesus uses you to bring healing to that person? It's not either or, it's both. It's one Spirit. Yes, it's Christmas. Charisma. Come on now. Also, allowing where I'm at for the Holy Spirit to lead you in the daily course of your life. Boy, that's deep theology. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in the daily course of your life. Let yourself work that out between you and your sphere of influence and in your setting in life between you and the Lord. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in the daily course of life. And then this is the last one, where I'm at. Five, 
entering into reality worship and genuine Holy Ghost-led prayer. Boy, that was deep. I can't. <laughs> Letting the Holy Spirit lead you in reality praise and worship and Holy Spirit-led prayer. Okay? Just, there needs to come into your life, my life, and the corporate body, more of a spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Ministry anointing, and we're going to pray. Begin to re we're going to release you in this. And I hear an amen. Oh, you're going to be activated. You know you are. Here's keys to releasing charisma. You want to know? I had this verse in Psalm. Where is it? 92. Put it down. Is it 92? Yes, and it says this, David is praying. He says, my horn, verse 10, shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. That right there phrase means your specific calling as a believer in the body of Christ, your membership anointing, your membership calling. Always remember this. All of us are called. Amen? The local church isn't just to be a feeding stall. It's, a, it's supposed to be an equipping, training, come on now, activating you and then sending you in your sphere of influence. If it's in the workplace or in the mission field or whatever. As a general rule, as a whole, pastors hate this apostolic declaration. They want the sheep to stay dumb, a lot of them. Because if I get them activated, I may lose control. In one of my churches, the, uh, the elders, and they weren't really elders, they were deacons. See law. But they said this, you're emptying out half of our church because you're prophesying over them, speaking destiny. They're going out in the mission field. They're leaving. They're going to Bible college. They're, they're wanting to pastor their own church. I mean, half the church. I said, yes, that's my motivation. That's why I'm not a shepherd. <laughs> Shepherds just want to maintain the flock and keep them together, love them, and feed them, and pour oil on top of their heads, and just protect them when the wolf comes. That's why every local church their lead minister may be a pastor, but they better have an apostle they relate to. 
and that church sees that apostle as the apostle of their house or that local church. If he, that lead pastor or she is the uh, pastor, they better have coming alongside them a prophet or prophetess that has been proven to bring the fullness of the ministry of Jesus Christ to the house. Or you're going to have a bunch of babies in the church that stay babies. Now, that is not you. That's why I appreciate this school of ministry. Every Sunday morning was my school of ministry. <laughs> of course, I, I just blew the whole community away, you know. I didn't have the wisdom that I have now, you know. But uh, he says, you're going to exalt my purpose. This is you. Everybody say, this is me. And I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And I love it. I'll be planted in the house of God. You can read it, and you'll still bring forth fruit at old age. Some of you need to say, Amen. Some of you looked at that person next to you. Some of us need to claim this. You shall still bring fruit in old age. Say amen, amen. Pastor Jim. Yes. <laughs> they shall be fat and flourishing. Now, I rebuke that in the natural. But I... Claim it in the spiritual. Amen? Here is keys to releasing. Receive an anointing. Release an anointing. Amen? Number one, believing on Jesus more than believing for the results releases the anointing. Now, this is 49 years of experience. I'm going to say it again. Believing on Jesus more than believing for the result releases the anointing. Brethren, if there's anything I can say to you, put that to heart. You know, it's one thing when someone comes up to you that has a runny nose and you ooh, lay hands on that runny nose and they get healed. They have a sinus issue. It's another thing when they don't have a nose. There's a little bit difference there. I actually had that happen. No nose. This wasn't too long ago. This was in America. And Lord, why me? Give them to Jim Baker. No nose. No nose. No nose. 
And so I just started playing with whatever they were supposed to be. Then I felt a little knot. Oh, about two minutes went by, boop, up, pout, popped the nose. Now, let me tell you something. It was beyond my faith. I was totally focusing on Jesus. Now, I was saying all the right things. Listen, you know, in the name of Jesus, I decree, proclaim, call those things that be not as though they were. Nose come for everybody. It was on and on of the great man of God proclaiming and decreeing. Yes, Jesus was, you know, the apostle, my profession, fulfilling and breathing upon that. But inside, Lord, help. Please, this is beyond me. Oh, come on, don't look at me that way. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Don't, don't get super spiritual on him. He knows you better than you know yourself. You know, number two, here's another key. I'm closing. Desiring to feel, I would love to tell you and teach on you the attributes in the anointing. But I don't have time. <sighs> Myrrh, cinnamon, cassia. Oh, they all mean something. No, it's not in a book. <sighs> Exodus 30, all the principal spices that made up the holy anointing oil. Myrrh. I just gave you, tickle your taste, but myrrh was used as a painkiller. It could be taken internally if it was prepared correctly and smeared. That's the definition for anointing ministry, to be smeared, covered over rubbed so the anointing well i'll put it this way to you let me give you and i'll go back to this you know second principle here but everybody put this out real quickly i i'm just gonna i'm not gonna teach on it but i am gonna say this where is it where is it joy did you leave it out i'm gonna blame her here are the purposes of the anointing to preach and proclaim. Everybody say amen. Don't try to write it down. Just listen. Number two, to release captives from spiritual and mental bondage. Let me hear an amen. amen. Three, to affect healing of physical diseases. Amen. Four, to affect comfort upon the mournful. Amen. To give witness of the resurrection of Christ. Say another amen. To enable believers to hear God's voice. Amen and amen. And to give wise counsel. I did all your studying for you. That's the purpose of the anointing. Personally, fellowship as well as ministry. Believe on Jesus more than believe in. This is for releasing charisma. I shared with you what to do to keep your fellowship personal anointing fresh, 
right? Now, to release it, okay, here's something you need to catch in your spirit. Um, where is it here? Focus on Jesus. Say amen. Receive in your spirit, not your soul. Oh, I could take an hour just on that. Boy, man, you get your eyes on the condition, it'll mess with you. Got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Receive in your spirit, not in your soul. Here's principle number three, two, two. Three, focus on Jesus, receive in your spirit, not in your soul. Everybody's trying to operate out of their soulish mind and limitations. You see, you've got to receive in your spirit. Three, release from your spirit, not your soul. You don't, it's like we try to force God's power out instead of allowing it to just flow out. Canaan flows. Here's the other one. Four. Only try to feel love, not power in your hands. Let me say it again. Desiring to feel love in your heart more than power in your hands releases the anointing. You're always to be moved with compassion. I know I'm getting all mixed up here. But the first principal spice of the anointing is myrrh. Myrrh is a painkiller. The anointing is to remove every hurt, wound, and bruise in people's lives. Then cinnamon. Everybody say it with me. Cinnamon. 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 It means spirit fire. Cinnamon is a spice that catches fire easily. Not only will every hurt, wound, and bruise be removed, but renewal and fresh fire will be released to the people you minister to. The zeal of the Lord will consume them. And we could go on and on and on. But I'll give you those two. Hello, are you with me? I'm finished here. Only try to feel love, not power. Jesus was moved with compassion. How many know, when you pray for someone, everybody look at me. You don't necessarily have to feel anything. How many know, you don't really need to feel anything. They're the ones that need to feel. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen. I felt nothing. Neither did they. But then a lot of them did. I'm thinking, nothing's happening. Then I looked. There's a hand that just appeared. I didn't feel any. <laughs> One of my associates sent out, you know, Star Wars. Count, what's his name? 
Dooku. I look just like him, or he looks just like me, you know. He does. He really does. He, he's, you know, he's got his hand, you know, and this, 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 this it comes out, electric, you know. My associate sent that out to 25,000 people on my, you know, website. This is Dr. Maloney as he was ministering in Korea. This <laughs> is... You ought to see it. Pull it up. It looks just like me. As you know, like I said, some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen was I didn't sense anything, but they did, and they were set free. And really, that's all that matters. Amen. Here's the last key. At the moment of contact, when you pray for some. Release the power. Everybody touch that dynamic stomach of yours. Come on, suck it up, guys. Believe it out of your belly, out of your innermost being. I believe it. Listen. As a quick illustration, when you go to, let me just use this, India, let me tell you something. I've been all over the world, 45 nations. There's no place like India. How many know? In all the times I've ministered in India, we've helped establish over close to about 310 churches, and I've a, uh, ordained license over 1300 we are the state of Orissa I was the first to go in and establish the kingdom of God ooh, ooh. they got now 200 some churches alone in Orissa it's illegal never was there a time ever I felt any anointing outwardly you want to know why it was too hot. <laughs> you don't feel the anointing when it's 106 and 98% humidity, and it's definitely not the fragrance of the Holy Spirit that you smell. And you got every demon against you, and you've got the Muslims that think you're just, you know, Infidel. Then you got the Hindus. They just they'll they'll accept Jesus. They'll just add him to the heap pile of thirty six million other gods. And now the Muslims. You know what the Muslims are doing now? They're accepting Jesus as the healing prophet. But they don't believe he's the Son of God. That means he was the word before he became flesh. He is God. All God and all man. They don't believe that. It was God himself that came down into the body to redeem us. They don't believe that. But they'll accept him as the healing prophet. So, you know, they don't like me when I go to places like India. Because I'll have 10,000 people. 
you know, up the prayer line to accept Jesus, and I'll have them all raise their hand. I receive you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord of my life. And then I say this. I renounce all other gods that I worship. There is a dead silence. And I have to repeat it sometimes eight or ten times. And the Hindus as well as the Muslims are picking up rocks to stone me. And I've had them throw spears at me and rush me with daggers. And just... It's fun. <laughs> Some of my war stories. I've had them shoot me point blank. And the bullet just right there. Just drop. I had one stab me and the blade became ooey gooey. Fell to the floor or to the ground. You'll love this one. You'll love this one. I had three Hindu priests. They're coming up to kill me. And they started to put the dagger. It caught me off guard. And then they looked up above me. One began to urinate and defecate all over himself. The other... <laughs> do you want me to go into greater detail of what it was like. You do? You really want me? But he's got a gut. <laughs> There's a better picture. There's a better one that's got silver beard. Try to find that one. That's the better one. That's yeah, that's not the right one. But that's close. It's, There's another one that's got a silver beard. So this guy urinated over himself and defecated. The other guy fainted, and the other guy ran. They were Hindu priests. Because above me appeared two warrior angels, and this, three, excuse me, three, and said this to them in their language. If you even attempt to touch him, we will kill you. Oh, angels wouldn't say that. Like angels, or they're, they're women angels. <laughs> Ladies, I'm sorry. There, there he is, yeah. There's my dad. Look at this. But he's got a head of hair. <laughs> I don't have it. That's why I'm wearing this cap. But look at that. Look at that. Isn't that great? 
So that went all over the internet. And then I got letters. I didn't know Dr. Maloney was in New Age. Look at that. Isn't that great? Okay. Remove it. <laughs> Let's activate something here tonight. Now, you that are visiting here, bless you. This is for you. But I'm here particularly for the students. I'm sorry. You know, but you, you'll receive as well, okay? We appreciate you being here. I know some of you came from distances and other cities and all. This is a different setting than a conference session, okay? This is supposed to be school. And, um, oh, by the way, those Hindu priests, they all got saved. Oh, I forgot to tell you that. And they're pastors today. And two of them established about 50 churches each. Boy, what a way to get saved. You touch them, we will kill you. Would you get saved? Those are some of my war stories. But I was saying, in India, you just got to gut it. Believe it right out of your spirit. Pull it from your inner man that you've developed in your personal fellowship anointing. And then the unction, the anointing will descend and go out. You don't have to feel anything. I don't feel the Holy Spirit anointing. Oh, give me a break. I'm, I'm thrilled when the, uh, there's a corporate anointing and glory and, you know, and everybody's in the flow. I mean, no, it's fun to be in the river. But my ministry for running, that's happened rarely. I was the only one, my wife. You know, we spent 12 years. You may not realize this, but uh, I'm going to impress you. Everybody, before I say this, ooh and all. Ooh. Come on, do it. Ooh. Ah. Come on, do it. Ooh. Ooh. a four and a half octave range in my voice. I had scholarship to study opera. My wife, like you, is an accomplished pianist. So we traveled to hundreds of churches not embellishing, where the only reason why they had us 
they turned over the whole praise and worship to us. Yeah, oh yeah. Because they wanted to learn in the late 70s and 80s all of the choruses that were coming out. They were tired of hymns. So Joe and I, meetings always went. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You took a break and started again Friday. Saturday, Sunday, we'd go weeks. And praise and worship, we led praise and worship in 17 states we established. We weren't the only ones, I know. But the current songs of that era. And none of the people in those churches ever entered in the first week. They stood like this. Do you know how embarrassing that is, that you're the only one dancing? You're the only one singing in tongues. They're all just staring at you. But I did it anyway. And then about the fourth or fifth service, something broke. And it was so cute. You'd see them. They'd... About the sixth, seventh service, they'd... And then, boy, by the end of the week, they were in the river flowing, twirling, skipping, leaping, jumping. Yay! La. Everybody. La. 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 Lord. I don't have the voice like I used to. I preached it out, cast demons it out. <laughs> now, I was part of the 24-hour marathon era in deliverance. 24 hours. Come out in Jesus' name. No, we don't want to. <laughs> I said, come out in Jesus' name. No. How many of there are you? 20. How many? 10. They never tell the truth. <laughs> Wore myself out. 24-hour sessions. Come out. No. I'm a goofball, aren't I? I try to be serious. I really do. I really, really do. But I get around Jim Baker and just something comes on me. Fresh oil. As an apostolic ministry, all ministries have this capability. Now, when someone says they're apostolic, you know, you know, it's just, you know, we're the least. 
you precious mom, intercessor the greatest. Okay? We're just servants. <laughs> Don't, you know, but I am apostolic and prophetic. I don't know what hat I'm going to wear. Let me see here. Maybe I should pull that. Maybe I'll get inspired. Let me, <laughs> let me see if I'm supposed to do that. No. Do we have any oil here? What? Where? I love millennials attire. <laughs> I don't want to say anything. Pointed shoes, <laughs> tight Levi's, <laughs> a bun of hair on top. Y'all are characters, man. Lord, this is your future leader and present leader. Oh, God, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You too. We're thrilled. I love the Z's, whatever that means. And they're unbelievable. It's just amazing what God's doing. It's a miracle. It's just a miracle. It's just a miracle, God, that you're going to be able to finish this with what you've got to work with. But you know what? Again, I'm a hippie. Hadn't bathed in about three weeks. Oh, that's the truth. You know, my beads, my tattoos. Yeah, I got them. I'm sorry. I was stupid. I was stupid. I was a hippie. And all of the Pentecostal fathers, no way can God use that bunch of yahoos. God's using me even with the tats. Right? And I dressed for you older people more conservatively than usual when I come here. I did it for him just to mess with them. I did. I really did. I did. I did it just, and he wasn't even here. <laughs> Students first. 
We want, I want, by the grace of God. I'm sorry that you can't have everything that I operate and move in. I can't have everything you operate in. It takes all of us. But I've got some gift, some gift that possibly I can impart to you. Can I give that to you? Can I give it to you? Amen? I want the students to come up here. Just come on up here right now. And then the rest of you as well in a minute. Yeah, yeah, graduates. We'll let you in. Come on, everyone. Just... I gotta get a photo of this guy. Here's the perfect example. And a great young man in God. There'll be young folks that'll listen to you and not to me. It's just darling. Let's bless you. When I lay hands on you and anoint you, let it be a point of contact. I'm going to focus on Jesus. There is a gifting that's going to activate in a further level of what's already in you in personal anointing and ministry. I'm going to speak to your spirit man, anoint you, and it's going to cause you to be elevated, brought up higher, be lifted up. Would you like that? Yes. And this is going to help you in the struggles you may have emotionally, mentally, because everything is to be drawn out of the innermost part of your being. So there is a gift of faith that I have to speak to your spirit, man, and lift it up in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, just worship him. Begin to pray. Pray in the spirit.
completely ignorant when it comes to these things. I'm a dinosaur when it comes to computers and technology. I know you millennials and Zs just blows your mind, doesn't it? You know what? Where's Pastor Jim? Wave at me there, young man. We need to do something if God ever leads. If I'm ever invited back, If I ever am invited back, I would like to do the entire weekend prophetic ministry, nabe, word of the Lord to you. Would that be okay? Yes. See, I would have to get online and explain to the people that this conference you're welcome to come, and there, of course, would be healings, I'm sure, but that's not the emphasis. It's going to be prophetic ministry. That's what I did for 37 years with the healing and the miraculous, but predominantly prophetic ministry. It's just now that I'm getting the strength back to be able to operate in that manner very in-depth prophetic words that speaks to your destiny, your giftings, your calling, the thoughts and intents of your heart. I did this to tens of thousands of people for 37 years and thousands of students and thousands of ministers and their wives. I would like to someday come back and have just a pure prophetic conference operation. Would that be okay? Would you be open to that? Because I'll have to prepare for it. There's a certain way you prepare for that operation, and I'll come prepared to... Uh, I was at Christ for the Nations, and I was a speaker there before I went on staff, and there were 790 students and God said, give everyone a word. <laughs> or I just said, I'm going to give everybody a word. It probably God wasn't involved in it at all. <laughs> I stayed there until a quarter to three in the morning. But those students email constantly and say, that's the one thing I remember more than anything else in the two years that I was there is that you prophesied over everyone and this word has come to pass. That's what I want to do for you. But you wore me out this weekend <laughs> praying for the sick and the afflicted. And that's the shift change for our ministry. But I do want to come back and get my hands on you and speak prophetic destiny.